Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to follow us on all our social medias, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, or Facebook. We do have that as well. And then go subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, we're trying to grow all those platforms, and that will help us a lot. Absolutely. That was a bit... Uh, it seemed like you got through that a lot quicker than you normally do, I guess, without well, I don't having have to. The- don't have to talk about like rocking around the four and two or anything anymore so yeah yeah it's it, it was a lot quicker than it has we, been the past several months yeah we are still gonna have um isla's fundraiser the link to that going on because that gofundme is gonna be going for i don't know how long they haven't said i think it's just gonna the be foreseeable open for future. as long as they'll yeah, yeah as long as they'll let them have it open i'm not sure if there's like a time limit that's ever put on these things or what um but that will be in the description of this. We're going to put another GoFundMe in the description of this, too. And it's how we're going to start out talking about the show. We normally record on Tuesday or Wednesday. And this week, more than any other week, I'm very glad uh, when we are recording. Because otherwise, we would have had the positive updates going on with the DeMar Hamlin situation. And I think it would have been a lot more somber to talk about Um than it is right now, knowing that what we do based off this morning with the news that we got where they would open his eyes and, you know, grip his family members hands and he's awake and he's yeah. alive, which is at, at this stage, all that we could really be asking for because on Monday night <clears throat> and people are to be like, man, this guy just gets emotional on this show every week, doesn't he? Um, but on Monday night when that happened, it was just, I think that we get so tunnel vision on sports sometimes um, being fans of sports that we forget about the human element of this thing and that was something that we've never witnessed you know i think that you can draw some comparisons to like a ryan shazier injury being that we are steelers fans to what we saw and stuff like that when you talk about just the uncertainty and the sleepless nights and stuff like that but we knew that ryan shazier was going to be alive after that right with the demar hamlin situation we didn't know that that was going to be the case and we're talking about a 24 year old where for us it hits a little bit closer to home him being a pit guy, I truthfully don't think that you can talk about Pittsburgh hometown heroes without including DeMar Hamlin in that situation. This kid could have gone anywhere that he wanted out of high school and decided to stay home at Pittsburgh because he has a younger brother that he wanted to stay home and be the role model for. And for him to do that, what he's done with the charitable stuff, which is, again, why the GoFundMe we were talking about, the Making Millions Fund and the Making Millions Foundation that has been started by him even before like NIL was really a thing in college. He started this GoFundMe to try to give back in a way, set the goal of $2,500 to raise for a toy drive. That thing has surpassed probably $7 million now because it just keeps going up at this point. Um, and it's just insane to see. I'm so excited for him to wake up and, and look at that and see how many, how many people love him and how many people wanted to just, in a moment of vulnerability for all of us watching, just trying to figure out what can we do to support this guy in any way possible. People just latch on to anything. And it really showed the best of people in a moment where no one knew what to do. You're just watching. And again, just very sobering thing. We can't put ourselves into the shoes of an athlete in that position. So we can never relate from that perspective, but we can put ourselves into the shoes of a human being and imagining that being, you know, a brother, a friend, a son, a family member, um, so, yeah, I, I think that this week, like I said, more than any other, I am just so glad that we are recording when we are, because had we been recording last night, the day before, his his life was still in the balance at that point, and we hadn't really gotten an update. We just kept hearing, we're going to stay positive, we know who Damar is, and that was really all that we knew. Now we know he's alive, and it seems yeah. like he's going to be okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's it's really fortunate that we get to know, have the knowledge when we are talking about this. Um, also, the toy drive, it, it's crazy to look at. It is it is almost at seven point three million, and it was a twenty five hundred dollar goal. That's that's <laughs> crazy. I mean, looking at the, the top the top donation right now is Jim Ursay and the Indianapolis Colts donating a little over twenty five thousand dollars. And all the teams uh, adding the three at the yeah, end too. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, whenever watching it live. You know, initially, it we I didn't I don't know if you had the same reaction. I feel like most people didn't like. We didn't think it was going to be like this type of injury. I thought it was like a oh like I thought concussion or something. Yeah, knocked just because out. just yeah. just because of the way he collapsed and mm-hmm. and and that's what we've seen from like other guys. I mean, we saw it with two of this year. Like you, you, those guys stumble and fall and they can't get back up after a concussion. And it wasn't really until Joe Buck said after a couple TV timeouts that they were administering CPR where you know like okay this is not normal like cpr is not not a normal football type of uh type of treatment it it, that that's that's where it's more serious that's that's where you know like this this guy is life is in question because they had to administer cpr and from then on out i mean i mean even even if it would have been a concussion or anything like that you you still think of the player and think think of how that's going to affect them but from then on out football didn't matter the game didn't matter um i i mean i'm really happy the way that uh the the league and both teams really handled it um that nobody was really nobody that was actually involved with the game or with the situation really put pressure on the teams to play the game i'm happy with the league the league didn't do that i'm ha- i'm happy that the coaches like the the, the Bengals weren't worried about like who's going to win this game who's going to lose this game all of that was put aside to really worry about the the life of Demar Hamlin, and and so it, it was really happy. I was really happy to see that that they were able to think bigger than football and bigger than than playoff implications and what it means for everything like that. All that's thrown out the window in a case like this. Nobody should care about any of that without knowing is Demar going to be okay. And so the way that's since that's the way they approached it. I was just really proud of what they did and what the league did. And uh, now, like you said, talking about it, and we've been able to see all the progress that, that DeMar has had over the, the past few days. Um, it, it's, it's been a really good sign and, and really happy to see. And like, like you also mentioned, like he is a pit guy. So we have a different uh, connection to him than some other just generic NFL fans might. I mean, we, I saw this guy, I mean, we both did play in high school. I remember, uh, the Whippeal, uh, what is it? Whippeal highlight or some Twitter account on on hit the pin tweet was Demar Hamlin is a huge hit in the state state championship. Oh, and right, yeah, yeah, and and uh, so like even going back to high school, his whole career at Pitt, and then him being able to get that extra year at Pitt, um, that was that was like a, such a big deal. Uh, we we've we've been able to watch this guy and as he's gone to the league, and so we we've had a little bit of a. Uh, a different connection to as, at least as a fan um so i was really happy to see from that perspective all, all the progress that he's made over the last couple of days but immediately you, you just start thinking outside of football when that happens like th- this guy he's a son he's a brother i mean he's got family members you think of his close friends uh it it it, 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 do, it does get you emotional uh, it, because that could have been anybody and that, that could mm-hmm. be any of us in any situation it's just happened to be 
that happened on national TV during a national football game, which is such a freak accident to happen. Um, and and it, it really just kind of like stopped the sports world for a second to really stop talking about sports and start talking about the humanity within the sports. Yeah, I mean, I think the word hero gets thrown around far more than it should. Uh, in this case, though, Denny Kellington, the Bills assistant trainer, who was the one that administered CPR right on the field. It's not hyperbole here to say that he saved Demar Hamlin's life, because had that not happened, he would at least have from a neurological perspective. That's why you have about a minute and a half, maybe at the most, once somebody goes into cardiac arrest to administer CPR before you start losing the neurological portion. So he literally saved Demar Hamlin's life by his actions. Every single medical professional that's been in contact with Demar Hamlin since then, including the nurses that are with him, literally, you know, every second now uh, as he is being treated at the University of Cincinnati's hospital, um, they, they're lifesavers, they're heroes, and those those are the people that that word should be reserved for in this situation. Um, I, I mean, obviously, we're thinking about a ton of people in this situation. I think it was perfectly handled by the coaching staff, gained a ton of respect for Zach Taylor in this situation as well, because Sean McDermott in that spot is very vulnerable because he's worried about his guy. Obviously, he's got to worry about 52 other guys that have seen that happen on his own football team as well. And Zach Taylor kind of had to be the one to to take charge in this situation. Um, and he and I thought he handled it perfectly. The other guy I've really been thinking about is T Higgins. Um, who I, I know that there's been obviously a couple people because you have internet trolls and people that are just pieces of trash that are trying to throw some stuff his way. I know that he knows that he's not at fault here. And yeah. um, but just to be the one, the last one to make contact with the Mar Hamlin before something like that happens, obviously that's a huge weight to have on on your shoulders. And I'm just glad that he seems to be handling it well. Um, the Mar Hamlin's family seems to be handling it well as well in terms of you know letting him know that he. They don't blame him in any way. He's obviously not at fault. Yeah. I don't know how anybody could think so. You're just you're but, just a jerk if you do. Because yeah. if you watch the play, I mean, even everybody who watched that play looked at it and was like, what happened? Because it just looked like mm -hmm. a routine tackle. That, that's, yeah. that's all it looked like. So anybody who, who's trying to <clears throat> trying to blame uh, T. Higgins for that and, and, and make it seem like it's his fault, it's not his fault. That He had no control over what was happening. And it, just because he was the last guy to touch him, it, it, that's just stupid. And you're just a jerk if you're saying that. Uh, he he had no control over that, and it, there's no blame on him. It's just a freak accident. Yeah. Uh, we are going to put the link, actually, for one more thing at the bottom as well. Our friends at the Pittsburgh Clothing Company have released a new design um, for DeMar Hamlin, where all the proceeds are going to go to the Chasing M's. Um, but it is the – it's a shirt that has, like, his – because he's worn three – you know, at Central Catholic, at Pitt, and at Buffalo. Um, mm -hmm. And you guys will, will obviously see the design when you go to the link. I bought one yesterday. I hope a ton of people will to support the cause. And also, it's just it's Pittsburgh Clothing Company, so it's a really good design. Um, but, yeah, just continue to send your positive thoughts and vibes to Mar Hamlin's way. It's a, it's a long road to recovery here, um, regardless of how this works out. But the most important thing is we are going to continue to say is, is he's alive. And, um, you know, that that's all we can ask for at this point. So we'll continue to monitor it. Um, but, again, I can't say it enough. I'm just very happy that we're recording this when we are and have the updates to talk about uh, at this stage. So, um, but as unfortunate as it may seem and as cruel as it may seem, the sports world is going to continue to move. Um, it, it's not, they did stop on Monday night, which we typically do not see. Um, so good on them for doing that. However, the show must go on at the end of the day and it will. 
And this weekend, we're going to have a, have some more football games. And somehow, after a two and six start, the Pittsburgh Steelers still very much in playoff contention. Um, they need some things to happen, but the thing is, like you look at it. They, it's not all that crazy of a scenario for them to get in the playoffs at this point. I mean, they need to take care of their own business, obviously, by being the Cleveland Browns. They need the Jets, who are no longer playing for anything, um, but that could be to their benefit to kind of just you know throw everything against the wall and play spoiler. Going against the Dolphins, who look like they're going to be without their top two quarterback options in Tua Tagovailoa and Teddy Bridgewater, so it could come down to rookie Skylar Thompson for them. And then, obviously, the, the Bills, who are going to be playing with heavy hearts and a lot of emotion, playing for DeMar Hamlin to beat the New England Patriots. And the Bills, obviously, they don't need, they're, they're one of the best teams in football anyway. So it is not out of the realm of possibility in any way for the Pittsburgh Steelers to sneak into the postseason, as crazy as that may seem. Yeah. Uh, watching the games last week, we, we were obviously going to be watching the, the Seahawks and the Jets game and, and Miami and the Patriots game. Uh, it, it looked like... The Patriots were going to fumble the bag a little bit early on in that game, which was pretty frustrating, but they were able to figure it out. And I think the Teddy Bridgewater injury definitely affected that game. You could see the change in the Miami Dolphins offense after that happened. Um, They weren't able to move the ball as efficiently. But then the Seahawks just blowing out the Jets. I, I don't think the Steelers could have asked for, I don't know, better matchups going down the stretch to rely on to get into the postseason. And both at home, too. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're all realistic. Like When you look at last week and going into this week, there's a realistic shot that all of them happen. The Steelers just needed to take care of their business, which they did against the Ravens, and then they didn't need to this week against the Browns. But, I mean, we, we talked about it last week. We talked about it all season. This is this is what we kind of expected. The, the, the Steelers were not going to finish the season 4-13, and 13, they were they were going to somehow get to around 500, and then maybe maybe we didn't talk about whether they'd be in playoff contention at that point or not. But we knew they were going to get to around this point of the season and be around where they're at right now. We we, we didn't yeah. think they were going to be as bad as they looked, and we didn't think they were going to be um, as good as we hoped. But somehow they find themselves at eight and eight, going into week 18 with a chance at getting into the playoffs, which is crazy looking at like you said they were two and six it looked like the world was falling in and really before that bye week the the Steelers just looked like they were just dead in the water um but the the schedule eased up the team got better as the schedule eased up which they needed to and they find themselves with a puncher's chance going into the playoffs so it 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 would be really fun to see to see that happen um I, I i would be scared to see what would they play the chiefs if, if, if everything uh, if everything goes out where the bills get the number one seed and everything would they play the chiefs well or the Bengals? well the thing is it, it sounds like this hasn't been made official that this is going to be ruled a no contest between the bills and the Bengals, which i think is, okay. is probably the right call so i think as long as the chiefs win on saturday night they're the number one seed the bills so would be the, play two. the bills <laughs> yeah okay in so, that situation which yeah. to me honestly just because of like the way that the Steelers match up against the other teams is probably the team that I would least want to play. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, being in the playoffs is good no matter what. But, yeah, we, we got to get there first. They they have, they have yeah. to take care of their own business against the Browns, and then they got to get some help along the way. But just moral of the story, it, it, it is, it's crazy that they are in the situation that they are, and it, it, they actually have a realistic shot looking at where they were two months ago. Well, 
to to your point, you know, even if we thought the Steelers were going to get back to this point, you know, eight and eight going into week 18, it still would have taken what the Dolphins have done, which is a five game losing streak for all seven spots to not be clinched by this point. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it it's not just on their own accord, the Pittsburgh Steelers, that they're here alive in week 18. So that in itself is pretty crazy. Let's take a, a step back, though, and talk about week 17 from a Steelers perspective, because they did get what they needed to going into Sunday night football. They still controlled their own destiny in terms of being alive going into week 18 at that point. Um, and it looked like for a long time in this game, it was going to be them themselves that ended their season. Uh, they yeah. got the help they needed. But for most of this game, it looked like they weren't going to help themselves. They were running the ball effectively. It's just so frustrating because I tweeted this. We've talked about it on here. They just seem to find ways to not score points, whether it's a penalty when they get into the red zone, taking them out of, of you know, being able to score seven and then missing the field goal, which, you know, is a whole nother story with, with Chris this year. Um, but they're finding ways to not put points on the board until the last drive of the game. And you know, the defense has been phenomenal. That's actually where I want to start this conversation before we talk about Kenny doing what he did for a second straight week. The defense, specifically in the second half, this is every second half drive against the Steelers defense over the last two weeks. Interception, interception, punt, 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 interception, field goal, punt, punt, interception. They've given up three points in the last two second halves against the Raiders and Ravens in the last two weeks. I mean, fantastic work. That sounds more like the highest paid defense in football. Right. Me. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's a couple of things that go into that. Obviously, the defense understanding the, their assignment and what to do, but also they probably look at the first half and then they're able to make second half adjustments and you, you get to see the second half adjustments actually work. I mean, looking at those those drives, <clears throat> I would think that um, that would be the case now. I, I think that the, the Steelers' defense, they should have been playing like this the majority of the season, uh, even without T.J. Watt, maybe not as good. But like they were, like we said, this, this is the highest-paid defense. They better play like it. And for a lot of the season, they didn't play like it. But at least when it when it really counts and when they really need it, they've been able to get it done the last couple weeks. Um, and it, it's been really fun to watch the defense um, th these past few games. And, and I, I think that this is the – this is what we thought we would get in terms of like if we need, wanted to have like a winning season or anything like that or make the playoffs. Like this is what we thought we needed the entire season is this type of defense being able to win the games and the offense being able to do just enough to win the game. You know, like that. That's what we we talked about, and and it sucks we didn't get it the whole season. But on the same hand, they're they're getting it to stay alive. And, and maybe it is that sense of urgency too. Like if we lose any of these games, we're, we're done and not just playoff wise, but we're going to have that losing season, which is, which, I mean, I don't know. Like, do you think that the players care about like Tomlin's record with the losing season? Cause I think they do just because of I, the res yeah. respect they have for Tomlin. I think they care about it way more than he does. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Honestly, that's, that's probably true. And, and I, I think, even if they didn't get into the playoffs, um, like, like if 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 the the games that they need to lose don't go their way and they don't make a playoff spot, I still think that they're still going to care about winning against the Browns. 
and, yeah. and being able to say they had that winning season and and not have that losing season um, on, on Tomlin's record. I just think that they have that for – I mean, with Tomlin being the players coach he has, he has a great connection with all the players on his team, and they have so much respect for him. I just think, like you said, it, it means more to them than it does to him. And so even if they're not playing for a playoff spot, which they play at 1 o'clock, so they're they're going to be playing at the same time as other these other games, but so they, they can't like see what happens first. But at the same mm-hmm. time, in the back of their heads, they're probably thinking, even if we're not in the playoffs, we still need to win this game for coach. Yeah, I mean, you will have fin- finished 7-2 and two after starting out 2-6, and six, you know? So I still think yeah. it's an important thing to win this game, whether it means you end up in the playoffs or not. I, I think there's a huge difference between being 9-8 and eight as opposed to 8-9 and nine going into the offseason for these guys. You want to finish strong. Um, I want to ask you, still sticking with the defense, a couple more topics here. Do you feel like you mentioned TJ Watt, obviously the difference that he makes, regardless of if he looks as impactful, just because of what he brings for everybody else. He's obviously taken some attention away from Alex and cam and they're able to kind of do their things they create more turnovers when he's on the field it just is what it is that's the type of player that he is even not at 100 percent. but do you feel like we're starting to see tj get closer and closer to 100 percent and make more impact plays obviously had a sack in this game um i thought he created some more pressure and i thought he was better against the run than what we've seen the last few weeks as well do you feel like we're starting to see a closer to 100 percent version of tj I, I I think we are, and it's a shame that it's coming with only like one week potentially left in this, yeah. this season. But th- that's that's just kind of like how it happens. He he's been playing. He he was out with an injury. He's been playing still partially hurt, and but he's getting closer to one hundred percent. But even with <clears throat> with him playing at like less than one hundred percent, the fact that he's even on the field is what affects the defense because when he's not on the field. A, a team doesn't have to specifically scheme against TJ Watt. And to me, when he's on the field, a team has to look at that and they have to specifically scheme. What are we going to do to handle this guy on the field? Because that's how impactful he is. And it, it's just like any of these other guys, like prime JJ Watt, uh, Miles Garrett, uh, um, the Bosa's like they are guys that are on the field that an offense is going to have to scheme around because of how impactful they are just as an individual. And so when you do that, that's what you're, you were talking about, like where that opens the door for Highsmith and opens the door for Cam. And it really helps out the defense as a whole because I felt like w- without TJ in there, th- that's just an element that the offenses didn't have to worry about. And the, the, defense, is, the defense lacked without TJ in there. And it, it's, it's just kind of – it kind of reminds me of a graphic I saw a few years ago, and it was like the Warriors with Steph Curry on the court versus like without Steph Curry on the court – it's like a night and day difference. That's how I feel about this defense. Even if we're missing guys as important as Minka or Cam Hayward or, or certain guys like those, I still think TJ Watt is still the most important player on this defense when it comes to the impact he has on the defense as a whole whenever it comes to an offense scheming for that defense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he obviously plays the most premium position, not taking anything away from it. I mean, a guy that can rush the passer from the inside like Cam does is obviously very valuable, too. Um, I think safeties are as valuable as ever, even though you know people kind of like depreciate them, um, especially like because teams play so much too high now. I think having a, a ball hawk and elite center field. Uh, safety is more important now than it ever has been. But still, guys that get after the quarterback off the edge, that's the premium position on the defensive side of the football. That's where the guys are going to be the highest paid. Um, that's where t- we are, you know, our dollars are allocated. So, 
yeah, I think that he is the most important player on this football team. And we've seen that play out this season with the team's record with and without. So um, a guy that we've harped on, though, and I want to give credit to for this game specifically in the middle of that defense, Robert Spillane. As crazy as it sounds, he's played 100% of the snaps the last three weeks. Now, there's a difference between just playing 100% of the snaps and being impactful with those snaps. But I thought he was really good on Sunday night. Like, he was around the ball. He was making a ton of plays. He was getting sideline to sideline. And I don't think that he was necessarily exposed in coverage as much as we had seen uh, you know, most weeks leading up to this. So I do want to tip my cap because if I'm going to, you know, really get on the guy when he's not performing, when you go out and have a game like he did on Sunday night, I think it deserves to be highlighted in a good way as well. Yeah, it does. And it was highlighted enough where he, he was playing well enough for oh, Chris God. Collinsworth yep. to <laughs> yep. call him the best player, the number one linebacker on the Steelers. <laughs> it was, it was, it was really funny. Um, not, not saying that the Steelers really have a true number one linebacker or anything, but I didn't think he was going to say Robert Spillane was that. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was having a great game. Um, and, and like you said, we, we've we've really uh, criticized this guy a lot throughout the season. Um, and he, like, we've we said like he does certain things well, but a lot of the times he lacks in certain areas of the of his game. Um, but he had a really good game on Sunday, and he was part of the reason the defense was able to perform the way they did, especially in that second half. So yeah, kudos to him. Yeah, um, I, I literally, when Collinsworth was talking about him, would have you would have thought he was talking about like you know Butler or Ham, like insane. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's I mean, super weird. <clears throat> uh, but uh, I, I'm like so thrown off now thinking about the comments, like trying to think back in my head. He said, uh, "It's great for to see a guy go from being a special teams guy to being the star of a defense." That's what it was. He said about being yeah, star the star of, of a defense. defense. Yeah, the star, like, the star of a defense who has <laughs> like, Minka and TJ and, I mean, Alex Highsmith career year, uh, Cam Hayward. And, and I, I mean, honestly, like, like, I think, I mean, you could mention Terrell Edmonds and Cam Sutton before him, I think, too. Like, <laughs> yeah. I so. mean, <laughs> it was def- I mean, I know that they, they have to, uh, they ca- kind of have to like showboat and put on a show for, the people watching the game, but that was, that seems a little exaggerated. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I thought he was talking about Lambert or something the way that he was talking about Robert <laughs> Blaine, but uh, Robert Blaine did play really well on Sunday night. So yeah. captive to him. Um, when I asked you about what's looking to be like one of the better one, two punches in football, switching gears now to the offense and Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, because Najee Harris is not playing nearly as many snaps as he did last year, but he looks so much more effective this year um and again i thought on sunday night he seemed to really embrace this rivalry like forget about the obviously game winning touchdown which we're going to talk about more when we talk about Pickett. but just the way that he was running again violently and just he looks like he's really embracing the steelers ravens rivalry which is great to see from a young player like understanding it so early in their career but him and jalen warren to me i think are providing like some you know thunder and lightning for this football team that we really haven't seen since like Le'Veon and d'angelo yeah i i think it's really important that Najee had had his touches reduced based off last season um, because listen, for the, for the way I talk about running backs, you get all the carries you can out of them. You don't give them a contract and then you move on. But if you want to, to get those carries at the most effective rate, having a guy like Jalen Warren with Najee Harris has been really good. Um, and we, we've kind of talked about this pretty much all season. Like Jalen Warren has 
has something to him where he could be a decent backup. And we really saw it in this game as well. Just because we saw him get some elevated touches too. Um, because I, I believe he had, he had like 12 carries and a few catches as well. So he was touching the ball like 15 times. Um, and, and, and that's pretty uh, pretty much elevated based off of some of his touches from previous weeks. And we saw what he was able to do with it. Um, he, he had like 75 yards or something like that, 76 yards. Najee had 111 yards. I remember that number. And, and, and they were able to perform to the best of their abilities no matter who was on the field. And I, I think that is kind of what you want as that duo goes along. Um, and I, I don't want to – this is the only comparison that comes to mind in the current NFL. Like I, I think of like Zeke and Tony Pollard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying that those two are on that level of, of a duo yet, but I, what I am saying is like, if you t- reduce the touches of Najee, it will increase the touches of Jalen Warren and they can both be as effective as they can be on the field because we've seen throughout the year, Jalen Warren is a good football player. He's a good running back, especially out of the backfield catching passes as well. And I, I think that you're able to really use the best of both worlds when it comes to both of your running backs in that scenario. Because as much as a workhorse Najee would like to be and that the team might want him to be, the best case scenario is that he he gets to share some of the time. And then and I like the way they did it. He had they out of all the carries between the two of them, Najee had like two thirds of them and Warren had a third of them. I would be perfectly happy with that moving forward because you get a more efficient and more effective Najee and Jalen Warren at both times of the ball. Yeah, I think, well, first off, I want to bring up a stat too, uh, and who better to look at for stats than stats guy Daniel, Daniel Valente, who's been on the show before. By the way, I need to have him back on, one of my favorite follows. Uh, most rushing yards after contact since week 10, which was the Steelers' bye week. Josh Jacobs, 345 is first. Second, Najee Harris, 308 yards after contact um which if you're watching on sundays that absolutely checks out and matches the eye test um because like even the offensive line has definitely been better Najee harris is gaining a ton of yards even after people make contact with him and you can see that so um it's great to see but from jalen warren's perspective too one thing that i really liked about his utilization that to me is a great way to use the jet sweeps is having both on the field at the same time and having Jalen Warren line up in the slot and getting him the ball. If you're going to use, you know, an end around jet sweep formation and give yeah. him, give somebody the ball, why not Jalen Warren as opposed to a guy like Steven Sims or Gunnar Osheski where you've seen Jalen Warren be able to get yards after contact and create for himself. Yep. I agree. I mean, it, it was, it was some nice play calls then. Um, and I, I just think, and I kind of think of a, about what we talked about just relating it to hockey too. Like, Tristan Jari going into the season, we talked about his starts need to be lessened, and that could get a more effective goalie out of it. Same thing with Najee Harris. Touches, they, they, they get lessened, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be the workhorse back. He still is, but he he has been running more effective, more ferocious. I mean, and like you said, it passes the eye test, listening to that that yards after contact. I mean, he's, he's running a lot harder than we've really seen him at a more consistent rate in a steely uniform and it's it's been really fun to watch and in this game on sunday against the ravens um the steelers really dominated on the ground and it, even in looking at the box score now that i pulled it up like you can see that i mean I mean, kenny did spread the ball around a little bit with with the with the throwing game but where they dominated offensively was in that run game for sure um i just wanted to say too because they've been having this press conference going on um with the medical center treating demar hamlin 
So people are obviously tweeting out like snippets from it and stuff like that. They said he has movement in his hands and feet. This will tell you exactly who Damar Hamlin is, though. When he actually was able to write when he woke up and he asked who won the game. <laughs> and they and the doctors responded by saying, you won. You won the game of life. Yeah. So that's just that's really cool. But that just goes to show you like how much Hamlin cares about his teammates, obviously, above himself, which just speaks to which, by the way, I, like, I obviously don't want to bring football into this but i think that this is more about him than it is necessarily about football as odd as that may sound he's a sixth round second year player and he started 14 games for the bills this year and played over 800 snaps which is the third most on that defense like that should not have been like no one projected that that would be the case for this guy but if you mm -hmm. know anything about demar hamlin that is very unsurprising that he's yeah. had such an impact on that bill's defense yeah for sure so it's obviously been awesome to see. I uh, want to wrap up talking about the Steelers. Obviously, we got to talk about Kenny a little bit because a second straight week where he engineers a game-winning drive. I think, and, and how about Big Ben? I don't know if you saw what I clipped uh, for I a did, little. Yeah. yeah. Ben talked about him on his football and podcast by saying that he was, uh, was kind of underrating Kenny, and he's been impressed by what he's seen now. I don't know that he necessarily made all of his comments that he how he feels about Kenny public, um, but I have to say, like, I'm kind of the same way just because I thought Kenny was going to be a good player, but not necessarily like all that we've seen up to this point already, especially given we keep talking about it. I think the one mistake they made was the lack of number one reps that he had if you were going to play him so early. Um, but the fact that he already has mastered or I'm not going to say master because time will tell um, come up so big in these big moments in the two minute drill so early in his career is promising because to me, that's something that normally comes like last or maybe not even all like some guys never find a way, like have that clutch gene to engineer those types of drives. So for Kenny to be doing it so early in his career is obviously a very encouraging sign. Now he has a long ways to go, but again, the fact that he's developed something that typically comes as, you know, time goes on or maybe not at all. I feel pretty comfortable about that. Yeah, I, it's been really fun to watch Kenny develop over this season. And I, I think that maybe I, along with a few others, are are less surprised about the clutch gene thing. Um, and, and that's just because of how my mentality of what we were going to get with Kenny Pickett. And, and what I thought you were going to get in that confidence at quarterback. I And and that doesn't necessarily mean they could be able to perform on the field, but, like, I watched – we watched this guy at Pitt, and I watched, like – and then I know it's a different level, but he, he had that clutch gene there. And it was like, as long as he can figure out the speed of the NFL level, I think – I thought he would have the same thing in, in Pittsburgh as well. Oh, well, in, in Pittsburgh. He was in Pittsburgh in college too. Um, but in the NFL as well. And and it's been really fun to see. I mean, Kenny has a knack for the theatrics of the game, uh, really <laughs> getting it down to the last drive. But it, it it was it's been a lot of fun and really exciting to see the, those finishes. And and it really gives you more confidence in Kenny Pickett as your quarterback moving forward. Like, yes, of course, there are things that he can still figure out and still needs to develop on uh, as he he develops into a NFL quarterback. But the fact that he's able to do these things as early in his career, like you're talking about, that that's something that a lot of people didn't expect. Um, and and like with Ben Roethlisberger, he might have not have been vocalizing a lot of the things that he had thought about Kenny Pickett. But I know for sure because I've seen it. There were a lot of Steeler fans vocalizing their opinions on Kenny Pickett and that draft pick and everything like that. 
And and yeah. I, I'm really happy that Kenny has performed the way he has and be able to get the Steelers to this point. And but like I said, there's a lot that Kenny still needs to work on as a quarterback. Um, he he still needs to develop in some areas to become that 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 full time like star quarterback. But I, I mean, what we've seen so far that gives you a lot of confidence, and especially going into this Cleveland game on the last game of the week, if they're able to win this game and he performs well. That, that just gives me even more confidence moving into the offseason that in year two, I'm really excited to see what this offense could do with Kenny Pickett at the helm. I think that's my thing is I just I have a hard time not letting my mind wander like I'm not wishing time away. I mean, if they can win this game, get into the playoffs, I'll be very excited about that. But I am just so excited to see how these young players attack the offseason, particularly Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. And just, you know, obviously following along on social media, seeing what their offseason workouts are going to be like. Kenny's a film junkie. We've already seen that in year one. We've seen it with the way that he talks about it. That's why he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Another thing that we've talked about. Um, and I just can't imagine, you know, I'm very excited to see how he approaches the offseason because I don't imagine there's going to be much of an offseason uh, other than the fact he's not going to be playing football games. He's still going to be working, I think, pretty much every single day. Yeah. So I'm excited to see it. Um, and to your point, what is the ceiling? Like, I don't know, because one thing that we that I or at least I had been saying pretty much the entire time is he was the only quarterback from the class that I felt pretty good about being like an NFL starter, like a baseline starter at the very least that had the, the highest floor of anybody. But, you know, I had I still while saying that thought, I don't know how high the ceiling is, though, either. Like it could be somewhat limited there. I don't think that it's necessarily super important for quarterback play to, to be able to launch the ball 60, 70 yards or anything like that. But some of the stuff that he does in the pocket, I think he's too quick to get away from. That is, that is correctable. So hopefully that is the case in year two. I mean, even on the touchdown pass to Najee Harris, right? I think a lot of people have broken this down. He yeah. even talked about it yesterday. Like he could have stood in the pocket and hit Fryermuth and probably still gotten the same result, a touchdown on that play. But he breaks contained to the left, almost takes a sack, by the way, very well could have been if Jason Pierre-Paul didn't blow off a finger in a firework accident because he wasn't able to grab him. Um, and then hits Najee Harris on a great throw. But still, he does things in a very unconventional way, if that reminds you of any other Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Um, but it works. you know. So it's, if he can get down some of these other things that you just need to see inside the pocket, I feel very good about where the Steelers are heading in their future with him. Yeah, and I mean, I'm trying to think of like quarterback comps, like – it, would I be happy if he had this type of career? Like, yeah. I mean, the one that that makes the most sense to me, and I saw Josh Carney say this is like is like an Alex Smith, which again, like you can win with Alex Smith. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was thinking in my head, like, <clears throat> not necessarily the type of quarterback, but like I was thinking if if Kenny Pickett had like a Kirk Cousins type of career, like that caliber of quarterback, like the, mm-hmm. the with the statistics and everything like that, would the Steelers? I, th- I believe the Steelers, if they had a guy like Kirk Cousins or had Kenny develop into that that type of quarterback, they could put stuff around him to be able I mean, to look at look at what Minnesota's done this year. Exactly. I, I think so, that's where you look at like the offensive coordinator and surrounding him in the best environment because again, that's another quarterback that you can win with. Uh, all the pieces kind of have to be in place. You're going to be able to win with them, I think, all the time. And there's even going to be stretches of football where they are the reason that you're winning football games and he's carrying you. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that that's that's definitely not the case these past couple games, but he has performed in those last-minute drives when he needs to. Yeah, more so than we've seen 
the quarterback that you just brought up do uh, over the course of several years. So, yeah. Um, Unless he's okay, playing at 1 p.m. True. Let's talk about a team uh, now that is not performing in the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they have, they're winless in five in a row. They just lost the Winter Classic to Boston on Monday. Um, <sighs> pretty pretty low event game. I actually didn't hate the, the game that the Penguins played in that one. I thought that was maybe the best game that they played through this winless stretch. Um, I just thought, you know, Linus Olmark stood on his head in this game. They very well could have won that game if not for his performance. Obviously, you lose your starting goaltender. We're going to talk about that, too. But what to you, and I'm putting you on the spot here, do you think is like the biggest reason for the Penguins winless stretch here? Like, is there one thing that you can point to? Is it just everything going bad at the same time like we saw earlier in the season? Like, what is it? I think that it is. Well, it's because of defensive breakdowns. But I think those def- defensive breakdowns are stemming from lineup decisions. And so I, I think a lot could be changed with the Pen- Penguins depending on your lineup decisions. But the, because of the way that they, they've been setting out the team, I, I think that that kind of gives you no favors going into the game, what's going to happen in, in your own end and in the neutral zone. And and that's where I really think that the Penguins have struggled is in their own end and in the neutral zone. I don't think – I'm not like anybody who – and I had my uh, my brother-in-law kind of a- ask me this one that we were watching some Penguin games in Oklahoma. And he's like, so do the Penguins, does the goalie just stink? And I'm like, no, it's and that's not the case. Like you, you see, you can see a game where the, 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 the Penguins give up a lot of goals, like five goals in that Islanders game, but that's not all on the goaltender. And I had to kind of explain that to him. And that's something that I feel like a lot of hockey fans need to remind themselves from time to time and really look at what's going on on the ice. The, the Penguins are breaking down in their own end and creating chances. It is, I won't even say – I'm not going to take everything against like the teams they're playing, but like it's not like these teams are creating all the chances they get. The Penguins are really self-imploding in their own end and self-imploding in the neutral zone at times, which lead to chances against our, our goalies. And, and so that's to me, is the one thing that that I think that if you wanted the the – not necessarily a quick, easy fix because we don't know that it would necessarily fix all their problems. But I, I think that the lineup decisions that are going into these games is part of the problem for the for the defensive breakdowns that they're having. I, I still think that they're getting some shots on goal, and especially like with their top lines, they're, they're still producing some chances offensively, but at least in their own end and in the neutral zone, I really think it's been bad with the at least the – the bottom two lines and at times the the second line as well in their own end and, and part of that is also on the defensive pairings as well we've been talking about this guy all season I really I, I wish I could stop talking about him because he wasn't on the ice but Brian Dumlin yeah. he needs to go I mean that's the first line of decision I would make the throw out even without Raquel being on the top line again and, and Jeff Carter being a full-time wing Throw, throw all the, that out the window. Brian Dumoulin needs to go. There's literally every single game, there is a goal attributed to something Brian Dumoulin did. And, and it's yeah. happening night in and night out when the Penguins are playing. And, yeah, it, it's frustrating to watch. You, you'd think that they would make an adjustment. I don't, I, I guess his, his cap is the reason that they need to keep playing him. But it, it's a shame because he is really just – tanking the team whenever he's on the ice 
I think it's so tough too for the reason that we started opening up the show, like because you got to be able to separate the player from the performance that they're having in whatever sport it might be, because it almost feels like dehumanizing at times when people are criticizing these athletes. But I think you know, and obviously I'm biased towards the way that we talk about them. I think that we do a good enough job being able to separate the two. Um, Brian Dumoulin, I'm sure, by all accounts, fantastic person. They love him in that locker room. There's a reason that they're still icing him, even despite what the numbers show. Um, but I 100% agree with you that it is beyond time for him to not be part of this lineup. And would that maybe in some fashion provide a wake-up call where he can get back closer to being the player that he was? Personally, I'm going to say no, just because I don't think it's an issue with that. I just think it's physically post ankle injury he's not able to perform at that same level anymore um so it, it's it's very tough because again you love the guy you love everything that he's helped this team accomplish in his tenure here but that doesn't mean that you can continue to play him just because of what he did for you this is a what have you done for me lately league and what that what he's done for them lately is cost them very much so every time that he's on the ice. The one area where he has been somewhat serviceable is on the penalty kill, oddly enough, because there's less guys on the ice. So it's like, how? But five on five, I, I would I ha- I don't know the numbers, but it's hard for me to envision that there's many defensemen that are worse in five on five this year. Maybe he just likes the open ice feel of a penalty kill. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, it's kind of like funny, like what you were saying, like we, we talked about, putting the humanity into sports this and then this is decision you kind of have to take the humanity out of sports in the the sense of you can't let your emotions of how you feel about brian dumlin and what he's meant to the penguins and this team and 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 as a fan you can't let that emotion really get in the way of what is making you the better hockey team and brian dumlin being on the ice is not making you a better hockey team and that that's just that's just one of the lineup decisions that I would go into. Um, like, and I kind of mentioned the others. Like Jeff Carter needs to be a full time wing if he's going to be on the team. Raquel needs to play up on the Sid line consistently. And and listen, I I I like Mike Sullivan still as a coach. I don't think he's lost the locker room or anything. But I I do think that criticism is due, and I don't think that his lineup decisions, especially which game was it the Winter Classic where they were playing seven D. Like, what what are we doing? Yep. What what yeah. what are we doing? We were playing seven. Why why play seven D? I I don't get it. Um, but well, what bothered me is like, is Mike Sullivan not answering the question about it? Like I I'm just curious what his thought process was. Whether I agree with yeah. it or not. I mean, you know, you're a very successful, very good, still in my estimation, head coach in this league. I don't think that you are above having to answer that question, though, in that situation, because I know Ryan Paling wasn't available, but like Drew O'Connor, who scored a goal and then found himself right back riding the bench, like he was available to the team. He could have played in this game. I understand maybe the thought process was, you know, with Ruedel being available, we still don't have a guy on the right side that's able to eat a ton of minutes. So we're going to go with seven instead of six there. But I, like, just play Ruedel over one of those guys. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I don't know what what it, it went into. But that's basically just what I'm saying. Is like, I I, I like you. I I think Mike Solomon is still a good head coach in this league. But lately, some of the lineup decisions as he had has just been very questionable. And I don't think that he is 
uh, shy from criticism. I, I, I think that he needs to be criticized as well as the guys that are performing on the ice for those decisions that he's making because I don't think he's putting his team in the best case scenario to win these hockey games. Granted, too, talking about criticism, <laughs> to me, it starts with Ron Hextall with what he's given Mike <clears throat> Sullivan to work with because yeah. I think even you know optimal lineup decisions, I, I'm not so sure that this team is still you know, in a, in a much better place. I think the problem with them is they're at their best when they can create their offense from their forecheck and their defense. And right now with the players that have, that are available to them in the bottom six, you know, what are typically those checking lines that they're, they're not able to do that. So like if Sid and them aren't producing two to three goals, if Gino and Zucker don't have their thing going, which they had at the beginning of the year, this team's going to struggle to score because they're not creating those chances from the defense the way they normally do. The best flowing Penguins teams are going to have, you know, Tristan Jari being very solid, especially on the penalty kill where he was fantastic last year. Um, and we got to talk about him in a second. Um, and also, you know, again, the four check and creating their opportunities that way. They're not doing that right now. And they look like the same team uh, that was having trouble doing so when they had their really bad stretch where they were winless through what, seven or eight. Now they're at five through yeah. this stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what, what sucks is at this at this current stretch, they've been blowing games too. I mean, I think to that it's, yeah. <clears throat> that, that New Jersey game, they had a one nothing league and a two one league or lead. Um, and then the game before that against the Red Wings, they were up four nothing, and and they, they, that was that was the second time I think since it, it, in the Penguins history that according to Bob Grove that they blew a four nothing lead. And it, which is which is nuts, and I, I felt b- so bad because my family was there, but um, yeah, they're 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 kind of they're blowing lead. I mean, even in the in the uh, Winter Classic, they had a one nothing league. I can't, I know you you can't bake to like win on a one nothing game, but still, several of these games in a row, three games in a row, you're blowing leads, and and so it, it it's kind of frustrating when you think about that too. That they get up and then they're not able to, <clears throat> excuse me. They're not able to either grow on that lead, or if they do grow on that lead, they're not able to hold that lead down the stretch like like they did in in the Red Wings game or the Devils game. It's it's just been kind of frustrating to watch in that sense. Um, but I, I I do think that this is kind of concerning. Um, the fact that they had that that seven or eight, I think it was seven game losing streak. In the beginning, towards the beginning of the season, and now they're going on another losing streak. And I mean, if you want to throw in that one win, they've they've lost six of the last seven games as well, not just the five game losing streak. And, and so it's kind of concerning to me that they are either all or nothing. It seems like because because they were mm-hmm. on that stretch where you, they lost seven, but then they went on another stretch where they won like was it thirteen out of sixteen or something like that. And yep. then now they're on this stretch where they've lost six to seven, five in a row. Uh, it, it's that is concerning to me because you think that if you're going to lose like a couple games here or there, that would be the case. And and then you wouldn't have these elongated losing stretches. But it's concerning that this isn't just their first one. It's their second one. Who knows when it's going to stop? Hopefully it stops tonight because we're recording this on Thursday when they play the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, but I, I just don't think that this team is showing that they have enough consistency on the ice right now to be able to be considered a really good hockey team. Um, they, they, at, in spurts, they are a really good hockey team, 
But then at times, like we've seen these past several games, they can look like a really bad hockey team too. And so I, I think that's concerning moving forward. And that's where I think like not only do the guys on the ice have to perform better, but you need to make changes to your lineup to put yourself in the best situation to win these games. And then going with what you kind of piggyback on what you said with Ron Hextall, Ron Hextall, I, I, I think that if he doesn't try to put the best team on the ice when it, or give the best players available and make trades to make a better team, I, I, I think that it's not uh, out of the question to think that he could be fired as just GM of the Penguins after this season. Uh, this is the ownership group. I mean, they're going, they want to invest in this team and yeah. If they feel they didn't, you know, bring in Ron Hextall. Now they brought him back this year. They didn't fire him this year. They gave him another year. But I, yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility either. Should this team bottom out? The thing is, I still feel like it's funny because I had cause for concern on here. So we might as well just get to that um, because you just spoke on it. I do want to obviously point out um, they're ob- they're without Chris Letang and Jeff Petrie right now. They're two, well, you know, they're two top guys on the right yeah. side. Uh, which I want to, you know, send their positive thoughts to Chris as well. Just lost his father. That's you know part of the reason he's also dealing with a lower body injury that he wasn't able to play the last couple games. But um, just what that guy's been through recently really sucks. But he just recently lost his father too. So thoughts are with Chris during this time. But you know those two guys are obviously going to make a huge difference for what we talked about. Like there's a reason they ice seven defensemen in that winter classic when they didn't have guys that they could feel like, you know, play 18 plus minutes on the right side. They decided to have four guys that could play on the right side in the lineup. So I think getting those two guys back helps. I am also concerned. I think that they are still a playoff team, but I think that they're showing that there's definitely a gap between like those teams at the top and the penguins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even a team and <clears throat> granted, they've, they've had a great season, but they're surging this year and no one saw it coming. But a team like the Devils, whenever we saw them play, there was a gap in the in the game of <clears throat> excuse me, of how good the Devils are and what the Penguins played like. So, so even a team, even yeah. a team like that, I, I feel like the Penguins really have to figure out their type of game. I mean, they, they, they know their type of game. They have to be able to do it on the ice. And it's what you were talking about, creating the offense from forechecking and uh, being able to play good defense, but they haven't been able to do that. And that's why just the the inconsistency of the team um, is really what is – that's the concerning part to me because if you're going to be this hot or this cold, I just don't know if I can consider you a really good team. Like you could be a really good team for a certain stretch, but then you could do losing seven games in a row and losing currently five games in a row and – who knows when this will end? Um, but yeah, I, I I do think they're still a playoff team, but they 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 are definitely not in that top tier as of right now uh, of playoff teams for sure. And I think that's a good way to put it because these opinions, in my opinion, <laughs> like everything else, can be fluid. Like we could be sitting here talking next week and the next couple weeks, and the team could look totally different. And you'd be like, okay, if they continue to play like this, then yeah, they are, they are looking like one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference right now. If they go out and get a piece, you know, to, to fix that bottom six. Maybe a Max Stone. I, I mean, like... <laughs> who we talked about last week. Yeah I, yeah, I think that, to me, ideally, you're talking about a guy that has some versatility, whether he can play center or forward, but is is playing center here to allow Jeff Carter to keep playing. I said center or forward, like forward, like center's not forward. Center or wing. Because ideally, Jeff Carter is playing on the wing in my in my mind. So yeah, that's what I would like to see. 
Um, the last thing I want to ask you about is Tristan Jari, who exited the Winter Classic with an injury. I mean, it's just so tough because you don't want to like injuries are going to happen. It's unfortunate how many we've seen him go through within the last couple seasons. Obviously, don't know the significance. Don't know how quickly he's to be able to get back out onto the ice. But you know, do you trust that Casey to Smith and um, what's his name? Uh, Tar Tar uh, Tarkovsky. Uh, Dustin Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky. Yeah. Yeah, I knew you having some variation of his name there, which you said <laughs> would help me get to the point that I needed to to say his name. Um, but yeah, Dustin Tokarski is the backup right now. Is that does that inspire confidence in you? Like, do you think that those two can hold down the fort for as long as it is until Jarvis? I mean, I'm already shaking my head. No. Uh, yeah. yeah, the people that are watching got an answer before the, the audience. Yeah, I'm already shaking my head. No, um, that uh, that doesn't mean that I think that they they are going to perform bad outright. But with the way the question is phrased, does that inspire confidence? Absolutely not. Um, I would not be confident with if, with that goalie tandem moving forward, especially if it is for an extended period of time. Um, which, speaking of the Tristan Jari injury, I mean, they haven't really disclosed anything in an upper body injury. Just it, He took a puck, and then it just kind of – he seemed like he was in pain, and then he left the game. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a really bad like bone bruise or – it could have been bruise. anything because yeah, the I, shot like, was up high, but then it looked like he couldn't like like he lower body seemed to be affected by it. Maybe it was like a ripple so, effect. It took the shot and then moved down his leg or something. I don't know. It was it seemed like really odd. Um, but no, that that pa or pairing of of goalies does not really inspire confidence. Granted, we haven't seen Tarkovsky play at the NHL level, um, at least in Pittsburgh. We did in Buffalo. Um, but Casey to Smith. Uh, I think he's been a, a solid backup this season and he's looked a lot better than he did for stretches of last season. Um, but I, I don't want him as a number one, like full time moving forward for, for an extended period of time. So hopefully Tristan Jari's injury isn't that long. Maybe it's like a week or two. Um, but I, I, I think they're serviceable goalies, but they're not the goalies that I would rely on to win you games. That's what I would say is, and especially with the, the way the team's playing in front of them, I would not rely on those goalies to, to make you a save when you absolutely need one is, is the way I'd put it. Yeah. Uh, the Smiths played in 13 games this year, uh, that winter classic was the first time we saw him in relief. So 12 starts, he's four, seven and two. 299 goals against average 911 save percentage which you know those numbers those two are fine i don't think the record is necessarily that's the thing I, I think the the record looks worse than his actual goalie statistics do yeah i mean a lot of that time was in that stretch that we're talking about where the team just wasn't playing yeah. that well in front of him and that's the thing um, it's 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 a lot of the team too so yeah i don't know but, but to your point i think that's a good indication like this is a guy that you can win with but he's not going to steal the show so yeah um he did. They had an overtime loss this year that I remember where he was just unbelievable. Um, stopped 40 some pucks, but the team, you know, lost in overtime. Obviously, you know, he takes a loss there. Wasn't the reason why he stood on his head. He did enough to win. But again, I, I think that it's like you said, you know, serviceable backup. It can be his net for the time being, but I don't think he's going to do anything to like steal the show. And we're going to be having a discussion when Jari comes back. Like, should it be dismissed net? So. That's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Um, stretch coming up for them. They got uh, Vegas, like you already said, tonight, uh, 10 p.m. for us East Coast boys. Um, it does get, they do have some games here coming up, though, 
where they're not necessarily a good measuring stick game, but it's good for the Penguins as they try to get right. They got the Coyotes and Canucks coming up. Um, they've they've had this is a weird week because they didn't play. They played Monday, not again until Thursday night, and then they don't play until Sunday night as well. So mm-hmm. not many games here. Um, the Canucks on Tuesday, the Jets after that, Hurricanes, Ducks, Senators twice. You know, and then they have three in a row, Devils, Panthers, Caps. Like, so, I mean, we're going to find out a lot about this Penguins team, where they're at. And, uh, you know, before we know it, we'll be at the trade deadline in a month. So, yeah. But, I mean, the nice the nice thing is looking at the the schedule moving forward, like with the um, Canucks and the Coyotes moving up, there will be there will be some what I'd call winnable games um, moving like moving forward in the next couple of days. So. The, the Golden Knights will still be a tough game, but at least with Coyotes and Canucks, you're looking at some the lower level teams. So that you, you, maybe that will be games that where the Penguins can get some confidence back to what they're doing. Yeah, I think too. You know, going back to their earlier performance this season against Vegas, that might still to this point be the best game the Penguins have played. So hopefully, we see yeah. a repeat performance of that uh, in their building uh, tonight or tomorrow, whenever you guys are watching or listening to this. We're recording in the afternoon, which is weird for us. So I'm gonna get this up like right away. So yeah. uh, whenever you guys are watching or listening to this, they might it might still be before the Penguins play uh the Knights tonight. So yep. We'll see. Um, but other than that, again, want to pass along our thoughts, our positive energy to DeMar Hamlin and his family. Again, great work by everybody on those medical staffs that have been um the reason that his life was saved and continue to, to take care of him as we sit here right now and are going to for the foreseeable future. The link to his GoFundMe will be below so you guys can contribute to the toy fundraise that he has going on. I can't wait to see what they actually end up doing with that because the amount of money that's there, they could build like, you know, buildings to, to take care of kids and yeah. these programs. And so much can be done at this point and um, as involved as he's been with the Pittsburgh community. I mean, He's probably, honestly, because of this happening in Cincinnati, gonna want to do something in Cincinnati, do something in Buffalo, and also in Pittsburgh. Like that's that's honestly yeah. the way that I see this playing out, really cool. knowing who he is and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, also, awesome I, to see. I wanted to yeah. give a quick shout out to national media members uh, Ryan Clark and Dan Orlovsky. Since oh, we're God. talking about yeah. this, the way that those two handled talking about it and what what they did on national TV, I just thought uh, tip of the cap to them. I, I thought they handled it really well um, and, and and really talked with the the correct somberness but also positivity in a way i mean yeah to take it a step further i I think it is important to highlight those two but like the broadcast is not trained on how to talk about these things like oh yeah so i thought everybody that was part of the monday night football crew you know buck and aikman and then going to studio with Susie colber shafter booger mcfarland and then you know scott van pelt with ryan clark um and then uh, Lisa Salter was the one on the sidelines for that game as mm-hmm. well. I mean, all of them on Monday were just phenomenal. I think that everybody was just like tuned into their TVs. And it's it's tough because we were even like told, basically, we're not going to have an update tonight. And it's just people were still like not accepting that answer. We're still going to be too glued to our TVs, right. hoping to hear something. Um, all we got that night was that he had a pulse. So, again, at that point, you're just clinging to the fact that he's alive right now. So, um, but again very good things that we are hearing and seeing from the DeMar Hamlin camp at this point. I I do actually, I just thought about this now when I want to also highlight one more thing about the university of Cincinnati medical center, which is where he's being treated. If you guys, I mean, I talked about rock around the four one two on here, obviously a ton, 
one of the girls that we helped out last year, Lily, which I, I talk about, there was a hospital that saved her colon basically because Pittsburgh had said they could do everything. They tried everything that they could for her and they wanted to take it. It was that same University of Cincinnati Medical Center where they, they found a way, a path and they saved her colon to where she is now. So, the, I mean, to me, people talked about the great hospitals in Pittsburgh and everything like that. Based off what I already knew with the situation with Lily, now seeing this Demar Hamlin situation, fantastic work being done in Cincinnati as well. It's awesome. So, uh, but the GoFundMe for Isla will be down below. The GoFundMe for Demar Hamlin's thing will not be down below. Also, the link if you want to cop the Pittsburgh Clothing Company Demar Hamlin shirt will be there too. So it's going to be a long description, guys. But <laughs> read all of it. Click on the links and uh, read the stories. Donate if you want. Buy a shirt. Um, awesome stuff going on we appreciate you guys tuning into this episode where we obviously talk about sports but want to be so much more um because this world is so much more important i heard something very good on monday night and i can't agree anymore sports are important until they're not and in that situation they weren't and i will leave you with that thanks everybody for watching and listening be sure to subscribe like leave us a five-star review all that good stuff follow us on everything and we'll talk to you guys next week Bye bye